From the Love Worth Finding Studios in Memphis, Tennessee, I'm Byron Tyler here with Carrie Vaughn, the CEO of Love Worth Finding. You know, Carrie, this month we've been talking about relationships, but mostly in the context of family relationships. Now, today we're still talking about relationships, but with a twist. Today's message how to heal broken relationships. Our scripture reference is Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. And Kerry, what's the difference about today's message? Well, I think today's message is still about relationships, but specifically relationships between our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. And more importantly, our brothers and sisters in the church. You know, Dr. Rogers would always say, keep short accounts. Keep a short account with the Lord and keep short accounts with the fellow man. And I remember a few years ago, even in my own church, I was prepping for a sermon, and ironically, the sermon um, theme was forgiveness. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and just said, how can you preach this when uh, you need to ask for forgiveness? And so to make a long story short, I I called this person, uh, and he answered the phone, and I said, listen, I... I've got to preach a sermon on forgiveness, but I can't preach that until you forgive me. And we had a wonderful conversation. And he said, look, it's it's my joy to do that, and uh, you go in peace. And so I just think, you know, going back to the teaching and preaching of Adrian Rogers, we want to stay right with God. We want to stay right with man, but we want to keep short accounts. Yes. Well, you know, Kerry, broken relationships in the church are a very painful problem that really disgraces the father and discourages the bride of Christ. Adrian Rogers says there is nothing worse than a church without harmony, and there is nothing better than a church with harmony. I agree with that. And, you know, in Matthew 18, Jesus starts to explain how to heal these broken relationships. First, we've got to consider our relationship with the person who has sinned against us. And then next, we have to remember that our responsibility is to make it right Right? We, we've got to be on the offensive. We've got to make things right based on Galatians 6.1. And then we have to ask ourselves, are we sinning in a similar way? Right, We have to kind of look and do a self-examination, a self-evaluation of our own life. And, and so when we do that lovingly, privately, and humbly, right, I believe God will use it fully. We often had Adrian Rogers here in the Love We're Finding studios, and we asked the question, when we have a broken relationship with a brother or sister, is there a way God can use that in our lives? And this is what he had to say. Well, that's a great opportunity. Number one, is an opportunity for us to grow. Uh, and number two, it's an opportunity for us to find out where the problem is, because if I'm not getting along with a brother or sister, there's something wrong with him or her, or something wrong with me, or something wrong with both of us. And so uh, Christians are not perfect, and we need to be constantly admonishing one another in love. We'll be joining Adrian Rogers in just a moment with today's message, How to Heal Broken Relationships. But first, Carrie, tell us about this month's ministry offer. My privilege. You know, to thank our listeners for their gift this month, we want to send you our marriage and family booklet collection, taken straight from the teaching of Pastor Adrian Rogers. This bundle features five powerful booklets that deal with the marriage and family matters from a godly perspective so that you or your house can really truly serve the Lord. Things like the music of marriage, survival of the home, God's plan for the man, 
It takes a family. How to raise godly children. Great resources for you and the entire family. And friend, for your gift, Marriage and Family Booklet Collection can be yours when you call 1-877-LOVE-GOD. That's 1-877-LOVE-GOD. Or you can give online at lwf.org. Now with today's message, How to Heal Broken Relationships, Part 1. Here's Adrian Rogers. I was driving down the highway one day and Paul Hardy was talking and he has little witticisms and things that he says and he said there was an ad that appeared in the Midwestern uh, newspaper that said this or something like this. Will the party, our parties, who on two different occasions cut my fence trespassed on my property and killed some of my cows, please come back just one more time. <laughs> what do you do when somebody trespasses against you? Do you invite them back so you can shoot them? Well, look in verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, Tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, then let him be unto thee as a heathen and a publican. Verily I say unto you that whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. I want to talk to you tonight about how to heal broken relationships. And I think all of us who've been in the service of our dear Savior for very long have had somebody who has wronged us, who has trespassed against us. And uh, it is a very painful problem. Actually, the word to sin is harmatano, which literally means to miss the mark or to be out of bounds or to trespass. Now this is a painful problem when a somebody sins against another person, trespasses against that person, a relationship is broken, a fellowship is severed. Now let me tell you why it's such a painful problem. First of all, it disgraces God the Father. My daddy had a brother who had never visited our home. That brother lived in Denver. 
And uh, one day, uh, he was going to be in West Palm Beach, Florida and visit in our home. And mother had uh, stayed up that night to cook a turkey. And uh, I had to sleep in a bed with my grown brother. Both of us by this time were big boys. I was playing football. And he'd come back from the army. We were sleeping on one narrow bed because we had company in the house and the other bed was given to the company. And my brother rolled over in the middle of the night and pulled the blanket off of me. <laughs> and I rolled over and pulled it back off of him. And then he gave me a knee and I gave him an elbow. And it was dark in that room, but two grown boys were up there in a fist fight in the middle of the night. And uh, I'm sorry to tell you this, folks, but that's the kind of preacher you've got. <laughs> and uh, we were in a fist fight, making a ruckus. Mama was up late at night basting that turkey. She threw open the door and turned on the light. And by that time, my brother had a big mouse up here on his eyebrow, and the blood was coming down just like that down his cheek. She looked at me. She had a basting spoon about that long in her hand. And she said, look what you've done to your brother. I said, Mama, he started it. She said, you be quiet. And she hit me with that spoon right up here. And she hit me with the side of it and left a crescent mark right up there on my, a, a cut right up there on my head. And when she saw that, she reached up and bit the back of her hand like, oh, look what I've done to Adrian. Folks, it was a bad night. <laughs> the next morning, when we came to breakfast, my brother came to breakfast with a great big knot up on his head, and I had this half-moon scar on my head. And there was my daddy's brother, first time in our home, <laughs> looking across the table at us. My father was mortified. My mother humiliated. And well, they ought to have been. I wonder if there's not shame in heaven over the way some of God's children act. I mean, we shame God the Father when we don't get along as brothers and sisters. It disgraces the Father. It also discourages the faithful. There's nothing worse than being in a church where there's not harmony. Nothing sweeter than being in a church where there is harmony. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Our Lord Jesus in John chapter 17 prayed, Lord, that they might be one, that the world might believe that you've sent me. Did you know our unity is a form of evangelism? But not only does it disgrace the Father and not only does it discourage the faithful, but it delights the foe. Oh, how Satan loves to see uh, brothers and sisters who cannot get along. The cause of Christ is hurt more by uh, church squabbles and fusses, I believe, than by false doctrine. So uh, I'm certainly not making it easy for false doctrine, but I'm just simply saying that, that this thing is a perplexing problem. Now, if you're going to solve that problem, uh, you're going to have to get a proper perspective. That's the second thing. Look, if you will, in verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone, and if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. 
Now, and I'm talking about a proper perspective. I want to mention three things. The very first thing you need to do is to consider your relationship to this person who has sinned against you. He is your brother. All right. He's speaking here using masculine terms, but it could well be a sister. But what this literally means is somebody out of the same womb. That's what the word brother literally means. Somebody that has come out of the womb of grace, somebody who along with you calls God Father. And you need to consider that relationship. Well, you say, maybe he's not a brother. Maybe he's never really been saved. Maybe he just has his name on the church roll. Well, if he's not a brother, then he's lost. And he's blind. He's on the road to hell. He all the more deserves your pity and your prayer. But if he is a brother, then to harm him is to harm you because uh, you're both not only brother or sister, and sister and sister, but you are members of the same body. So just consider that relationship. No matter what an individual does and no matter how they trespass against us, they are to be loved. Put these verses down. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. And uh, listen to Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially those of the household of faith. So when you're getting this proper perspective, first of all, consider the relationship. This is a brother. Now, secondly, consider the responsibility. Now look again, if you will, in verse 15. He says that if thy brother trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Every failing Christian is another Christian's responsibility. When one brother fails, it's up to another brother, another sister, to lift him up. Because the Bible says in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, then ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. So consider your relationship and consider your responsibility. If somebody trespasses against you, it is your responsibility to try to make it right. And when you consider your relationship and you consider your responsibility, how important it is for you to consider yourself. I mean, how dare we, how dare we go to anybody and try and straighten anybody out if we ourselves are failing likewise? And then we have to consider also, have we been praying for this individual who sinned against us? Now, Samuel said in 1 Samuel 12, verse 23, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. And uh, we have to ask ourselves about the individual that we want to go straighten out. Have we set the good example before him? Are we ourselves an example in that area? Hebrews 12, verse 13, make straight paths for your feet lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. That is, if you don't walk straight, somebody else 
is liable to be turned out of the way. All right, we've talked about a problem. We've talked about a perspective. Let's talk about a procedure. What is the prescribed procedure if somebody trespasses against you? Well, first of all, you go see them. Uh, you lovingly visit and confront them. Look in verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. How are you to visit him? You visit him privately. Somebody sins against you, you don't tell another soul on this earth. You go to that individual don't tell anybody else. Well, why should you not tell somebody else? Well, they might take up an offense. And uh, the Bible says that it's wrong for people to take up an offense. I am to visit him privately, and I am to visit him lovingly. The greatest test of love for a brother is, are you willing to confront him if and when he does wrong? Proverbs 27, verses 5 and 6, open rebuke is better than secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Now, when you go to this brother, this sister, you don't go to tell him off. The Bible tells us clearly in verse 15 that we're there to gain our brother. You go to win him, not to condemn him. Now, if somebody sins against you and somebody trespasses against you, do you know what human nature is? Human nature is this. Human nature says, he sinned against me. If he wants me to forgive him, let him come to me. Isn't that what human nature says? Uh, if he comes to me and asks me to forgive him, I'll forgive him. But am I to go to him and seek him out? Absolutely. Why? Because the Bible says we're to be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. How? As God, for Christ's sake, forgave us. I want to ask you a question. Did God come and seek you out? Indeed, he did. We love him, why? Because he first loved us. God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. Now, if somebody sins against us, we do not have the luxury of waiting for them to come to us. We go to them. And the Bible's very clear about this. So how in this thing of visitation, how do we do it? We visit him privately. We visit him lovingly. We visit him humbly. Again, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. He says, If a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. When you're trying to straighten somebody else out, you'd better pray a whole lot and make certain that you go very humbly because you yourself are not perfect. So, what, what do we do? First of all, there is visitation. And hopefully, there is restoration. Because verse 15 says, If he will hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Now, Simon Peter, who was listening to all of this, got to thinking about that. And evidently, Simon Peter had been sinned against by some fellow quite a bit. And this guy kept coming back to Simon Peter and saying, Simon, I'm sorry. Or maybe Simon had been going to him and confronting him and he'd been confessing and repenting and saying he was sorry. So Simon wants to know, where are the limits? Go down to verse 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? 
till seven times. Evidently, there must be some limit. And I think what Peter was thinking, the more a person sins, the less possibility there is for forgiveness. I mean, after a while, you get saturated with this thing. Say, that's it. Peter's wondering where that is. What the Lord says is, uh, this is not a matter of mathematics. When you're considering forgiveness, forget the arithmetic. So Jesus says, no, 70 times 7. And what Jesus meant when he said 70 times 7, I thoroughly believe, is you forgive him to infinitude. If he repent, then you forgive him. Uh, not uh, seven times, but uh, until 70 times seven. Now, that's a very interesting thing because the truth of the matter is if you forgave him one time and you truly forgave him, then that sin is gone, it is dissolved, it is obliterated. You forgive him the next time, that sin is gone, forgiven, obliterated, buried in the grave of God's forgetfulness. And if that is true, you're not keeping a record. So every time you forgive him is really the first time. It's the first time. It's not the seventh time or the eighth time. It's the first time because those other times don't count. They're gone. You're not keeping score. Love does not keep a record. So you forgive uh, that brother freely before it becomes an infection. You forgive him fully. By the way, if you go to a person and uh, ask for forgiveness, make sure it's forgiveness that you get because a proud person will say, oh, that didn't matter. That's all right. Forget it. Say, no, I want you to forgive me. <laughs> Don't just take his shrug and say it doesn't matter. It does matter for your sake and for his sake that there come closure. And uh, if he just says, oh, just forget it, forgetting comes as a result of forgiveness. And there can be no forgetting until the slate is clean. And don't be sloppy when it comes to getting forgiveness. Forgive freely, forgive fully, and forgive finally. I mean, buried in the grave of God's forgetfulness, we are to forgive one another even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven us. Well, that brings up a problem. What if the individual will not hear you? As frequently is the case. He might say, I did not do wrong. I don't owe you an apology. I don't uh, need forgiveness. Or he might say, I'm doing wrong, so what? Get out of my face. Then what do you do? Well, you, you have to get some confirmation. First of all, there's visitation, then restoration. But what if, it, if, if that doesn't work, then you get confirmation. So you get some people to go back with you. Look in verse 16. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. So you need to get somebody to confirm what's going on. Now the Bible makes it very clear that uh, two or more are necessary to witness and to confirm something because you could be wrong. And he could be right. We all have blind spots. I have some. If I knew where they were, they wouldn't be blind spots. We all have them. And so it's good if, if we can't get this thing done to, to bring somebody else there to confirm for some confirmation. And coming up tomorrow on Love Worth Finding, part two of this vital message. Before we go, though, I want to ask you, 
Do you have a prayer request that you'd like to share? At Love Worth Finding, it's one of our great honors and privileges to come alongside you and pray with you and for you. If you can, go to our website homepage and scroll down to find our prayer wall. There you'll find the option to either submit a prayer request or pray for others or both. This resource is one of our favorite ways to keep the ministry and the community praying continually for one another's needs. So go to lwf.org forward slash radio and scroll down to our prayer wall today. Well, thanks for studying in God's Word with us today. One thing from today's message from Pastor Rogers that I loved, the church is not a museum of saints. It's a hospital for sinners. As a church, we are designed to come to each other's aid in harmony and grace. Find encouragement in that today. And join us for part two of How to Heal Broken Relationships next time right here on Love Worth Finding.